welcome to this episode of the Biotechniques Talking Techniques podcast. I'm Abby, the digital editor for Biotechniques. And I'm Tristan, the assistant editor. In this episode, we will be chatting with Greg Michelotti, the scientific director at Metabolon. Metabolon is a health technology company focusing on using metabolomics in precision medicine. They have recently announced a collaboration to discover more about frailty and ageing populations, which we will find out more about later. So welcome, Greg. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, we would love to learn a little bit more about you. So please, can you just tell us a bit about your background? Sure, and thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, I come from an academic background where I ran a liver pathophysiology lab at Duke University for too many years that I care to remember. Uh, We were studying basic mechanisms of liver fibrosis and fibrogenic signaling that caused liver disease and NASH and ultimately could lead to hepatocellular carcinoma. And through many years of genetic and transcriptomic profiling, it really didn't provide a lot of insight into the basic mechanisms of liver pathophysiology. And it was actually a project we did with Metabolon that opened up new avenues of research and and took us down uh, new avenues and approaches that we didn't anticipate. Uh, that really opened our eyes to a the power of metabolomics and uh, and b kind of marrying these multiomic uh, approaches to really provide biological insight into understanding human disease. And ultimately, uh, this led to me joining Metabolon, uh, where I now uh, am the scientific director and uh, trying to implement a vision for using metabolomics uh, to provide key biological insights into human disease processes. Okay, so to, to lead on from those, those insights that you're trying to glean with metabolomics, can you tell us a bit more about the collaboration that you've set up for research into frailty biomarkers? Sure. So that is our, our partnership with the Canadian Longitudinal Study of Aging, or CLSA, uh, that we are extremely excited about. Uh, but first, I'd like to provide a little more background because it's, it's more broad than just our partnership with CLSA. Uh, because we see a huge power of using metabolomic profiling to gain insights into disease processes as humans transition from health to disease. We're actually trying to establish partnerships and collaborations with large population studies or cohort studies worldwide. Uh, so we are talking internationally to the global community to uh, work and expand these partnerships with, uh, with other cohorts and other diseases. And CLSA is uh, one of the first that we're able to establish a partnership with to understand uh, the metabolic changes that occur with aging and how uh, that predisposes individuals to frailty, a condition that is associated with poor outcomes in aging. Uh, so it really represents the first in the series of partnerships we're trying to establish and one we're extremely excited about. Okay. Um, and so how will the project go towards that aim, work towards that aim? So the CLSA, the investigators overseeing the CLSA, have done an incredible job in the collection of samples from the Canadian population. So they are sampling uh, representative populations from all across Canada and uh, establishing longitudinal or prospective sampling of, of their population so that they get baseline samples and then they're taking three uh, samples every three years uh, for up to 30 years to understand how these changes in across not just metabolomics, but they're looking at all sorts of clinical metrics uh, change over time to understand the, the predisposition to disease and, and what the etiology of disease and progression of disease is. 
So do you have any predictions at the minute for what you might discover from this project? Uh, it's a great question. And the beauty of this is that we're taking a very broad and untargeted approach. Because there are few metrics to, or gold standards to understand and measure frailty and understand the molecular changes that occur with aging, uh, we, we really don't have a lot of predictions going into this. And, but that's good because we're not biased in any way. And using our platform in an untargeted fashion, uh, we reduce these biases and we're open to uh, just following the data. And uh, so the predictions were, are going to be that I think we're going to be surprised by the changes that occur. And we're very excited by this unbiased approach to really uh, try to investigate and be open to all the pathways that can be changing uh, and influencing frailty and are involved in aging and poor outcomes with aging. Okay. Um, so you've recently published papers describing the use of metabolomics to establish links between dairy consumption and metabolic syndrome, um, and also to identify, uh, identify markers for COPD. Why do you think um, methods in metabolomics sometimes prove a bit more effective than traditional approaches? Yeah, um, also a great question. And what I would say is that metabolomics is unique in that it integrates both genetic and non-genetic information. So I think everyone is going to be well aware that genetics are powerful drivers for risk of disease and predisposition to disease, uh, and they're the blueprint for are unique in that they integrate this genetic information because many metabolites are genetically informed, but they're also uh, a host of uh, your metabolism that is not genetically informed. It's independent of your genetics and integrates your lifestyle, your microbiome, a buzzword today, uh, the environment, and your exposure to uh, items. And uh, So it integrates both the genetics and non-genetics to give a, an active readout of your uh, of your status, of your health status, if you will, so that by understanding this in real time, it provides very deep insight into what's going on because your genes provide information from one point, essentially. Your genes essentially aren't changing in life with very few exceptions, but your metabolism is constantly changing and, and uh, responding to environment. And by capturing this information using our comprehensive profiling uh, platform, that we're able to capture this information and provide deep insights into what's going on uh, into into groups understanding how disease uh, progresses, the both onset and progression uh, and transition from uh, from health. So that all sounds really interesting, and I'm just wondering how does metabolomics then fit into this new and developing field of precision medicine? Yes, yeah, so I think that's an extension of the previous question by understanding how groups change because people in very large numbers do very predictable things. I, I think that's the basis of the insurance industry and, and they seem to be uh, very successful. So by understanding how things uh, happen in large groups, we're able to stratify population on, and understand uh, certain subsets of disease. Diabetes, for example, has been subclassified into five separate clusters recently. So it's a very complex disease that has a very complex ideology and uh, to capture this disease manifestation or, or, or phenotype uh, has proven difficult and still evolving over time uh, so that uh, we're able to, to really, using metabolomics, provide uh, insight to how to stratify these populations. And then by doing that, you're really able to understand 
how individuals are going to deviate from a group so that uh, when we're able to capture comprehensive biochemical changes uh, in groups, we understand where individuals may differ from the group uh, by large amounts. And we're able to do this with, with various statistical approaches that we see how an individual uh, can separate over all the biochemicals that we're able to measure uh, from a group. And, and by that deviation from the group, we gain insight into their biochemical makeup and potentially progression to disease or understand their disease process or etiology. So by understanding very large numbers, we're able to boil that down and understand how an individual will change uh, in response to a group as well. And that really opens the door, the, the onset, the promise of precision medicine, of understanding changes in the individual. Part of the beauty of that too is uh, because it reflects actionable changes or real-time changes in individuals. This provides actionable information uh, potentially for clinicians to uh, open therapeutic opportunities. So what do you think is going to be the next major development in metabolomics or what would you like to see achieved in the field in the next sort of five years? Yeah, so ultimately it's going to be understanding the comprehensive profile of the relevant biochemicals that are present in an individual. Just as every gene is not involved in a disease process, there are housekeeping genes, for example, there are going to be housekeeping metabolites. So things that really aren't uh, keenly important in progression to disease or progression from health and wellness to a disease state. Uh, so there's going to be uh, a cadre of metabolites that are really relevant for tipping the scale into all the different diseases that are, that are present in humans from the full spectrum, from neurocognitive deficits to cardiovascular diseases to liver pathophysiology, kidney, cancer, et cetera. Um, and I will say that every change from a homeostatic state, so from a healthy state to a disease state, requires a change in a biochemical step. And that's not necessarily true with genes or other modalities. So to develop that ability to collect that information, define it and map it out and apply it to specific disease states or patient conditions, um, what would you need for this to happen? If you could personally ask for, be it more funding, a change in policy um, or anything like that, what would you need to really drive that forward and accomplish that goal? Uh, well, certainly funding and resources, right? I think. Programmatically, uh, there has to be a shift in thinking to put resources behind metabolomic profiling. We've seen these resources applied to the genetics community for the sequencing of the genome and the human genome, and this is spread across countless other species from just from not only humans but also to plants to really understand the blueprints of all these different organisms and what their risk of, of 
disease is meant to understand the biology. Uh, but that's a one-time readout for an organism, whereas the metabolomic profiling is an active readout constantly changing to uh, stresses and environmental stresses and microbiome in, in animals, for example, uh, and even plants. Uh, so uh, it is uh, the programmatic change that I think uh, that has been applied to genomics that can be applied to metabolomics to apply resources to really uh, understand the full complement of biochemicals that uh, should be detected that are relevant uh, biologically in life and to detect those and to provide active readouts of those. Um, and to just follow on from that, so it seems like, so in my mind, genomics sort of studies the, the source of problems and then metabolomics looks at then the, uh, the phenotype and the, the results. Um, in genomics, you have these landmark moments like the um, discovery of the structure of DNA and the sequencing of the human genome, which sort of anyone, even if they weren't necessarily that interested in bio, um, biosciences and life sciences, would... Uh, would know about. Why do you think that there aren't such famous or well-established landmark moments in the fields of uh, metabolomics? You know, I think I disagree with that. I think there are uh, landmark moments, maybe not as press-worthy as, as some of uh, the moments that you mentioned, but uh, prior to Watson and Crick and, and Beetle and Tatum and the, the discovery that DNA is the hereditary substance of life. Uh, everything was metabolomics. Everything was metabolic profiling, understanding metabolism, because that was the basis of life. So all those early days and, and the early 19th century were mapping all those biochemical pathways. And now we really reap the benefit of that uh, because there is a complete annotation of metabolic pathways that, unlike genomics, where they're still is a very poor annotation of, of all the genes and how they interact with each other and how they influence each other. With metabolomics, we have a very rich map to annotate these and understand how they interact, how they influence each other, and uh, so therefore we understand how they interpret when, when biochemicals change and levels, we know what this means biologically. So while maybe there isn't a single watershed moment that, that I can think of, I'm trying to, to think as I, I'm talking, but there's no single watershed moment like that, but uh, it is this comprehensive work that has been done over 120, 130 years where it's created this incredibly rich map of biochemical pathways uh, that are fully annotated and we understand how they operate biologically. Okay, so where, whereas genomics is advanced sort of almost in fits and starts, it's metabolomics has been a constantly progressing um, area of growing knowledge. I wouldn't say genomics has been fits and starts. Fits and, I mean, yeah, fits and starts is maybe very, a bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, because yeah. no, it's, it's been very strong and steady, supported, and obviously genomics and genetics are extremely powerful modality to understand human biology. Um, and that's why so much effort and so many resources have gone into that. Um, but yes, so metabolomics has been more of the, the steady operator in the background behind all this. Uh, but now I think it's emerged as a forefront, in the forefront or as a forerunner, um, and come back into favor because people understand uh, that this is this unique modality that integrates all these other uh, modalities, uh, including genetic and non-genetic factors, to really provide uh, novel biological insights shamelessly plugging us and our capabilities 
uh, I believe Metablon, why I joined Metablon is because I think we are the leaders in this field. Uh, we have the most comprehensive library uh, and are able to screen for the most compounds to really provide this novel insight into, uh, into human health. And uh, so that's why I think we, we're trying to establish and we, we do have leadership in this field and, and why we are uh, keenly and uniquely poised to be able to bring this vision to fruition. That was a very interesting discussion. So I think that's a wrap for this episode of the Biotechniques Talking Techniques podcast. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Greg, for, for being on the show. And um, to conclude the episode, um, I'd just like to plug the Biotechniques free online event, Advancing Precision Medicine 2019, which is definitely interlinked with what we've just discussed here. Um, you can check it out in the link in the description and join us next time for a new installment of the Talking Tech News podcast.